This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, June Bay, thanks very much for coming back on, uh, on Talk Your Book. Really appreciate your time. I thought before we get into your stock, we could just start with Tribeca Investment Partners and, and how you guys look to invest. Uh, absolutely, um, uh, Chris. It's always great to chat. Uh, look, um, with Tribeca uh, Investment Partners, we are fundamental investors, and um, you know we look to find the great stories, um, you know, and companies and business models from bottom up, and finding all these great businesses. And it doesn't matter if they're big or large. Um, and if we um, also, um, you know, what's special actually, actually about my fund is that um, if things um, we believe a company is on the verge of, um, um, you know, breaking down its model or changes in industry structure, which means the share price might fall, um, we can take advantage of that as well. So um, very active funds just out to buy the winners and then sell the, the, the ones that's going to um, are going to struggle. And what, uh, what stock did you want to talk about us today? Of course. So today we want to talk about um, Treasury Wine. Um, this is a stock actually we have been talking about it since last year. Um, just incredible business um, and opportunity at this point. So it's an interesting opportunity. I guess before we get into the blue sky, the elephant in the room will be the, uh, the trade relations between China and Australia and what that's meant for Treasury. Do you want to give us some of the, the background history with, uh, with Treasury and how they've been caught in the trade relations with China? Yeah, of course. Look, uh, so many people or, or yourself must have read um, in the papers in the last 12 months. Um, the trade relation has meant that many of the commodity or many of the products that's been exported from Australia into China um, has been um, putting uh, put on a little bit of pressure. Now, why? Um, you know, for many years, it's one of the fastest growing Australian export into China over the last um, you know few decades, well, last decade, um, and uh, has been taking share from other countries into China. And then Chinese consumer has uh, definitely displayed a strong, um, you know, a strong um, preference for the Australian wine, particularly Penfold. Now, uh, the trade relation has meant that, um, you know, China has uh, put a bit of a stop to that. Um, and so China a few months ago um, has talked to, um, you know, investigating anti-dumping and, um, um, you know, from Australian wine and the like. Um, and, uh, and more recently, two, three months ago, two months ago, they just released some guideline on what the cost might be and the like. And, you know, in terms of escalation tariff into China, which essentially means that channel um, or the high growth um, space into China um, has been pretty much put on the stop. Um, and this has impacted of course, um, the winemakers from Australia and Treasury being one of the most successful one out of Australia into China, um, obviously has seen its share price, um, you know, pretty much um, a collapse to 40 percent uh, when the first uh, announcement arrived. And so they've got a new operating model uh, out of that. They've got Penfolds, uh, they've got Treasury Premium and Treasury Americas. Which of those operating units are you most excited about and where do you think they'll be able to reallocate that wine that was originally destined for China. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, for us, we always have a strong preference um, for its, um, you know, the premium, the ultra premium um, uh, space of its product, um, because that's where the value is. And our view is that to reallocate um, some of those uh, wines that used to be highly sought after, by, highly sought after by the Chinese consumer, is reasonably simple because the demand for those ultra premium or ultra luxury wine uh, is incredibly high, and this This actually essentially, um, you know, underpins a lot of thesis for investment in this business. Now, Treasury is a brand business, branded business. It's a luxury branded business. The share price is at where it is. It's simply because of this China disruption. Um, if you look at its global peers that sits in that luxury branded space, um, the the multiples are way higher than what Treasury is trading on. And those luxury um, brands are very very difficult to build in today's world. Just because how much it will cost to build anything like it from scratch, so we certainly have a preference for the premium labels. Um, but however, I think with the U.S. market is um, seems to be improving um, in the last couple of, uh, last result. Actually, the U.S. market is improving quite quickly because of the reopening um, in the economy. Um, we think that business will be doing reasonable as well. But of course, that's coming off a low label. Now, ultimate um, gain for um, you know for Treasury on the ultimate game. The, the the you know the most ideal structure for uh, Treasury is um, you know sitting as part of a bigger. Portfolio. When you think about it, you know, if you're a global uh, luxury beverage or you know maker,、um, you can redistribute those product reasonably easily. Moving from Australia instead of out of Australia, you move out of France or anywhere else. But the brand itself is incredibly valuable. So you know, so this is where you know the the incredible value that is sitting in that、um, you know in that luxury、um, you know goodwill the brand、um, space. So, in terms of that Penfolds business, which is the the key to to Treasury, do you think there's a, a a possibility down the track they could spin that off into its own business, or do you or do you view the、uh, entire Treasury business as potentially being a takeover target to a larger global operator? Oh, this.、Um, uh, my view is that the chances for the treasury to be taken taken private is incredibly high.、Um, you know, as we talked to before, the incredible value sitting in its brand,、um, the premium luxury brand space. Now, and it sits. It works so well as a part of a bigger portfolio because, as a global maker, you can just move those a lot of those inventory around,、um, and you can carry some of those risks, such as、uh, trade war with you know. One country by offsetting it through other countries, so it actually sits so well in some of the, those global portfolio. And given where the share prices of、uh, Treasury's global competitors are, it certainly looks very attractive. And aside from that,、um, you know, money is very cheap to borrow globally.、Um, so we wouldn't be surprised、um, if it's not peers. It could be、uh, the private equity looking at this business to break it into、uh, different bits. So you know, I think Treasury is. Doing the right thing by making the business streamlining the business, make the business easier to identify and really demonstrate the value of its core premium label.、Um, and、um, you know,、uh, quite frankly, I think this business,、uh, if the share price is where it is now, it won't stay、um, listed for very long. We'll get into maybe some more standard valuation metrics in a second around earnings and and、uh, and PE ratios. But before that, I'd like to dig into the amount of premium wine they've got on hand and how. While in some businesses having a high amount of inventory is seen as a negative, if that inventory gets written down, 
when you're talking about premium wines, you're talking about a product that's usually appreciating as time goes on. Can you talk to me how you view um, the value of premium wines they've got stored and what you think that could do, particularly perhaps in an inflationary environment? Yeah, of course. Um, that Actually, that's a really, really good question. Um, often in many industries, you look at a company carrying a lot of inventory, um, you know, which is the sort of finished goods sitting in the in the warehouse. Usually it's a problem because they can't sell it. Whereas wine is a very, very different proposition, especially premium luxury wine, because these um, have demonstrated over the years, these are wine is appreciating assets um, because premium wine is difficult to make and it, the longer it stays, the more premium it is, um, the higher it costs. So, um, you know, so the inventory that is sitting in the warehouse from those premium wine that has been highly sought after by the Chinese consumer, um, you know, is actually worth somewhere close to $8 um, of the share price. And that is just finished inventory uh, or finished luxury wine that's sitting in the warehouse. Now, um, aside from that $8, there's uh, uh, a little bit of value also come from those, um, you know, wine uh, lands, um, you know, wine asset lands out of Napa Valley, as well as, uh, um, you know, uh, South Australia. And uh, we, um, you know, and then we got a little bit of building but it's really majority of the value is underpinned by those luxury wine and these are the things that um, you know if it needs to be sold and it will not be sold at a discount if, if anything it will grow with time and you talked to the inflation earlier um, what inflation does increase the value of those assets so you know treasury is in a good spot and then the share price right now is majority underpinned by those assets when you look at the, the desperation of central bankers around the world to create inflation, particularly wage inflation, having an asset that doesn't require any more wage that can appreciate along with inflation or you'd expect it would outperform inflation, I guess like you've touched on, that, that's sort of a level of comfort around the valuation of, of Treasury right there without any of the other blue sky potential ahead. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, you know, it gives a lot of comfort on what you're actually paying. You know, in today's, as you said, the inflationary, um, you know, uh, pressure or expectations high. Um, and then there's so much free money around. We've seen increasing asset prices in almost, uh, almost, every, almost every asset class, mm. in equity, in bonds, in housing, in everything. Um, and the treasury is the one that, um, you know, have the asset class that will rise, but yet to share price is still, um, you know, not, hasn't really caught up with us. So, you know, for investors, this relative value is certainly underpinned by that. And if the Bitcoin can trade at the <laughs> where it is, um, certainly the white is going to do better than that. <laughs> Careful we don't put off the, the Bitcoin viewers, uh, JB. They're very, uh, they're very powerful. What about the, the traditional earnings metrics then? Talk to me about its market cap, its earnings, and perhaps where you think those earnings could be in 12 to 24 months' time. Yeah, so that look at in terms of the earnings multiple, it is difficult to actually look the current number because if anyone look at the current earnings, um, it looks very high in terms of multiple. Uh, it will be in the twenties in terms of price to earnings. Um, however, um, a couple of important, very very important notes to put here. First of all, now treasury earnings um, has been impacted by the lockdown in the last twelve months. So you know, like many businesses, um, you know, the hotels and restaurant lockdown, um, it does 
does impact Treasury Wines um, uh, business, even though some of it does go through the supermarkets, which has, you know, uh, quite a lot of volume, but the high margin and, uh, you know, the main business is the restaurants and hotels. So um, these will come back and we know the growth for the next 12 months is going to be phenomenal. So you need to write off last 12 months what that earning looked like. Now, secondly, um, what's important is that, you know, of course, the China <laughs> disruption, um, you know, before the announcement from China came through on the uh, increased tariff, um, you know, Treasury volume was actually doing, started doing quite a strong growth recovering from the uh, lockdown related impact in China. Um, however, when that uh, announcement came through, clearly, um, you know, that channel has been disrupted into China. However, we have seen quite a lot of volume being moved through Hong Kong, um, you know, and other markets, which we do expect because, you know, it is a brand that is highly demanded by Chinese consumer. So um, so that's been shifted, um, but it just created a bit of disruption. So current earnings is not to be looked at. Um, and you need to look forward in two years time. And this company is trading on teens multiple, um, you know, with a more normalized earning, uh, even though at this point, we're not sure how that might settle, but it's not expensive. So for this company, it's about the asset backing um, and, you know, the uh, the expectations of how they move the volume. So far, it's doing really well. Um, and uh, and of course, um, you know, you will have, um, uh, you know, M&A on the horizon soon. They've ripped a lot of costs out of their US business. The margins look like they've stabilised over there. Is the cost reduction program done out of the US? Look, I think there is still more to go, but what's really good at this point is that obviously when they first announced I had issues at the US um, and last 12 months because of COVID and the things. So, um, you know, it was, it was a little bit difficult for a lot of those costs to, um, you know, to, to, to be really formalized and then, um, you know, to reach the full capacity. I think going forward in the next 12 months to two years, there is still more to go. Um, and I think that business, uh, certainly with the momentum it is experiencing, um, you know, in the next year or two um, should experience pretty good margins. And we've just to finish off, we've obviously touched on the, the issues they've had recently with China. Could you see a world in three to five years where that China market actually comes back and becomes a tailwind again for Treasury? I think that's a really good question. My view is it will. Um, simply based on, of course, you know, we can just say it will, but there, there is um, historical evidence. If you look at China's relation um, with its some of its uh, closest trading partners, such as in Asia, so the Japan, the um, India and South Korea. Now, over the last three decades um, or five decades or many decades, they've had so many political um, uh, conflicts. And um, and then, but if you look at the trade that has taken place over the last three decades, has been going from strength to strength between China and these trading partners. So my view is that these are short-term, the conflict is short-term impact on the trade. Um, and once we move past it, um, I think ultimately um, the trade will return. So look, I can't tell you if it's tomorrow or next week, but it will improve and it will return purely based on what has happened with its previous trading partners. Well, June Bay, it's a great drop to drink, Penfolds, and uh, it's a very compelling story yourself. So thanks very much for, for coming back on and walking us through it. Thank you so much. I wish I had a glass of Penfolds <laughs> here and uh, I'm sure at some point we will. <laughs> thanks very much. Thank you. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. 
if you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.